give me one shot here on a blue chip stock, believe me, Kevin, the only problem you're going to have is that you didn't buy more. Nobody knows if the stock is going to go up, down, sideways, or in circles. What's going on, NBA Draft fans? Your boys are back. The Wolves of Ball Street, your favorite draft analyst, favorite draft analyst. The Draft Act, NBA Draft Podcast, hitting you with another episode this week. Just trying to, to pump them out. And it's going to be a special episode. We're going over our big boards. We're, oh. We are comparing our big boards. We haven't done a big board episode, I think, since, I don't know, maybe the preseason early in mm-hmm. the year we've done some stock market updates but we haven't really compared boards so it's time we're gonna do it the, the lottery order is set we're getting closer to the draft we're gonna talk some big boards you know we're just gonna go through compare where we have guys and why we have them in each spot probably second guess ourselves a hundred times probably talk ourselves in and out of prospects and this has probably been the hardest big board that i've done so far this this draft cycle it's been an unmitigated just disaster at times where i second guess myself so i don't know how the process has been going for you but it's 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 been really tough this year yeah man i i'm with you I, even like because we've done in terms of big boards that we've published i think we've already done six yes and for no even ceilings, yeah. dude even rucker knows like when we were in vegas and we had to do a big board he saw me staying up late just just stressed out and he kept <laughs> he kept checking up on me he's like you good and i was like bro i don't i don't freaking know and so these big boards are always tough because it's so hard Corey, to like quantify and like justify putting one guy over another it's funny like i'm looking at two guys and then suddenly i'm looking at like five guys under and like okay how does this set of five guys make sense and then i look at the next set of five guys and all right how do these guys make sense and then why is there someone all the way down here that i feel like needs to be up here and i'm just like shuffling so i'm with you this was really difficult but i'm also excited to share it because it's gonna be interesting i think it's gonna be really really interesting yeah, and people have seen, you know, we did the six big boards for no ceilings. And the way we do those is we kind of come up with like an average of all 10 members of the crew of our boards. And it kind of eliminates the personal bias that we put into the, the process. It gives a clearer picture. So like when I go on about my uh, affinity for a guy like Ryan Rollins, who I'm like way higher on than some of the other guys, it's not like looking at, what may feel like my crazy take when we have other guys to balance that out. But these are our more personal big boards. And, you know, we like different guys. Like that's your personal board is personal to you. And I, I think one of the things with big boards that is tough is like everybody wants to get the big boards right. And it's, it's definitely important at the top for sure to like nail you know, you always want to nail the the number one guy, the number two guy, number three guy, because typically those are like your big difference makers. You want to nail those guys. But as you get further down, it's like a lot of it depends on the context of where the player gets drafted to. Like how many guys are in front of them early on in their career? Like, are they going to a rebuilding situation or a veteran situation? Are they getting playing time? Or are they going to get sent to the G League because there's no spots? Like, there's it's really tricky. And then the way it works in the draft community is like we we all want to be so quick to be like I told you so, 
I'm right throw our, our, our dick on the table and have a, a dick mm-hmm. measuring contest when it's like, you know, like we all have our, our reasons and our methods. And it's not like I, I've, I'm sure I've done that too. Like you, you want to talk about your hits. We have to talk about our misses. Everyone's going to miss even in drafts where you hit, like you're going to miss like 2020. I had Tyrese Maxey top 10 and I was confident the whole time that he was a top 10 guy. And I was still mm-hmm. too low on him. <laughs> even having him top 10 and being true to that. But I also had Tyrese Halliburton down right out of my lottery that draft because I was like, I think Halliburton is going to be really good. He's a lot safer than a lot of the prospects that, um, and he's probably going to be better than some of the guys I have ahead of him. But maybe I would rather take a chance on their potential and I was wrong on that, obviously, because Tyrese Halliburton exceeded any, you know, anything I thought he could live up to as a, a primary creator with the ball in his hand. And I was always high on his jump shot. Uh, that never wavered. I just I thought his handle was going to be a little loose for for the league. And it's not. Mm-hmm. But that's how it goes. So it's like sometimes on our boards, we're going to realize that a guy might be better or even worse than somebody below them, but it's all about, do we believe that they have the potential to reach a certain level? And sometimes they're going to hit and sometimes they're not. And it's either going to be like, sometimes it might be you misevaluated them. And sometimes it just might be contextual. And, you know, if they had gone somewhere else or they didn't get hurt, like their career could have ended a a certain way. So enough rambling. We're five minutes into the pod and we haven't even given our, our top guys. Let's start. Um, do you want to go like 30 to one or do you want to go to like from one on let's, let's, let's hit the back end guys. First. Let's, okay. let's do, let's like group it by fives. Mm-hmm. We'll do like groups of five and we'll tell each other like I'll, my, my 30 to, to 20, 26, 25. How does this work? What's the math? 26. Yeah. Okay. I have Christy at 30. Oh God. My board. I'm or I hate this. I'm embarrassed by it. I have Hardy at 29. Wow. Yeah, I hate that. I have Ty Ty at 28. Okay. I have Marcus Sasser at 27. Wow. Yeah. Look at you. And I have Jake Laravia at 26. I'm getting crazy here. Okay. I was I've been a big Sasser guy. And when he the way he's come back and the way he performed in the combine scrimmages, uh measured well six seven wingspan i just think he's a bulldog who's a sniper from three like i could see this guy playing a role on a a really good team down the line and if he didn't get hurt this year i would have had him as a top 30 guy and it looks like he's recovered pretty cleanly and while it'll take some time adjusting i think in real nba games plus you know he's a rookie i just i'm a believer in that kid i really really like marcus sasser I think yeah. he's an impactful player. Okay. I will not argue with you on that because I know I have guys on my list that are going to be higher than yours too. So mm. I won't fight that. And I, and I understand the rationale for me. The, the reason why I laughed when you started was because I also have Christy at 30. So nice. for all our listeners who give a shit about our, um, agreeing all the time. Well, there you go. <laughs> One for us agreeing so again. I know straight up. I know um, you don't have, have party at 29 though. So, so. No, I've got Christy at 30. I have Blake Wesley at 29. Mm. Uh, I have Ty Ty 28. 
Saints. Do we agree on that? Jesus yeah, we, Christ. Yeah. Look at us. Uh, I have Jovic at 27 and Wendell Moore at 26, which I know is probably high for your taste. It is, but Wendell Moore is a guy that I think is probably going to return like top 30 value. Like he's one of those guys where I look at, I'm like, he's going to be better than some of the guys I have ahead of him. But I don't know if his potential is something that I'd bet on versus some of these other guys. Yeah, I get it. But but like he reminds me like not as a player necessarily, but like the role that he could find himself being in. And you wrote it, an awesome piece on him about how versatile he is and how that's a skill, mm-hmm. the versatility and like being good, maybe not being great, but being good at a bunch of things is like a great skill. Right. Uh, but like IO last year, I think is getting a little bit of the same where he dropped into the second round for, I think a lot of similar reasons. And you saw the impact he had as a rookie on a playoff team. So like mm-hmm. if Wendell Moore did that, like that wouldn't shock me right next year. So I, I don't think that's crazy at all. Mm-hmm. And then I just like for, you know, to rounding out my guys, like I just, mm-hmm. LaRavia is, I think, is a guy who has gotten a lot of hype recently. Mm-hmm. And I got to spend time with him and see how he works and see how he looks physically and his skill set. And he just reminds me of one of these modern wings that is going to be a really good role player. So it's like he might not have the same potential as Jaden Hardy, but like I see a path for him playing on winning teams, maybe slightly easier than Hardy if Hardy doesn't hit hmm. there's that downside risk that I do think Hardy has where if the shot and the efficiency doesn't come along and he doesn't read the NBA game at a proficient enough level that, you know, I'd rather take the, the safer bet. Ty Ty is a guy I'm killing myself over. I don't, okay, yeah. I don't know how to, I, I hate him being at 28. I don't mind him being behind the guys that I have ahead of him. But I actually think, like, I think he's going to be one of these Kentucky guys that brings better value than we think. He didn't take a ton of threes, but I think the three-point shot is smooth. He's got a nice step back. He's got an elite floater. He's got a great pull-up game. He was able to run a team when given the opportunity. I'm struggling with him. <sighs> Ty Ty is one of the hardest guys for me in a long time. Because if you, if our, for our listeners out there who, who've been riding with us for a while, if you go back to our pods from early in the season, I feel like I was one of the earliest guys on Ty Ty. Like I, yeah. I loved him yes. so much and I talked about him a lot. And now I'm at a point where he's 28th on my board. And like you, Corey, I'm like, what am I doing here? Like, am yeah. I sure that I want to put Ty Ty here. And of course, like between now and the draft, our minds can change. And I might have Ty Ty in my lottery again. I don't know. But right now, like, I think physically, I don't love some of the stuff. Um, I don't love his frame. And I don't, I don't think I'm crazy for saying that the jump shot. I'm there with you, man. I like it. Even the playmaking stuff. I'm with you. Um, I do have your voice in the back of my head from early in the year when you were like, can this guy dribble? And I'm like watching him play. And I'm like, <laughs> can this guy dribble? I'm not sure. You know? So yeah. it, it does stress but me that's out the same a little thing bit. I said about Halliburton. Yeah. And I felt better about Ty Ty's handle as the year progressed when he wasn't being hounded by Trevor Keels for, you know, yeah. 30 minutes. So he's hard. He's hard. He's really freaking hard. But he's as hard. of now he's at 28 and he's just there for me. So 
I think that's fair. That's where I have them. Let's move on to the next group. At 25, I have Peyton Watson, which, you know, might be high for a lot of people. I have Terquavion Smith at 24. Wow. Dalen Terry at 23. Gabriel Pachita at 22. And EJ Liddell at 21. Okay. Okay. Hmm. Who'd you have to who'd you have at 25 again? Peyton Watson. Peyton. Okay. Which a lot of people are gonna think is crazy. But I've long been a believer in his frame, long term, his athleticism, the kinesthetics, how he moves on the floor. I think he's got more to show with the ball in his hands. I think he's got the potential to be an all-NBA defender down the line. Yeah. I look at him that he could fit in weird contexts. Like, I think he could play with the ball in his hands if, like, he hits and he's, like, a a wing. But also, like, there's this path for him where he kind of plays, like, a role like uh, Derek Jones Jr. did for the Mm -hmm. Bulls this year where he's, like, this role man who is kind of, like, just able to use his athleticism and maybe he makes like reads out of the short roll and he right. doesn't have to like be a primary ball handler, but he could do, he could just be creative and cause havoc all over the floor in interesting ways. Like there's that path too. So I'm willing to bet on him just cause I, I think he's got really special tools, but like, I, I'm not going to take him in the lottery, Yeah, but I'll spend a back end first rounder on him. Hmm. Well, I think that's fair. I, Corey, if I'm honest with you, the Watson one doesn't bother me at all because I'm I'm really high on Watson as well. I mean, I, I'm not as high, but I like yeah. Watson a lot. The one that shocked me was a Turquavion one. So if mm-hmm. you can quickly give us a little something, something. Yeah. So one of the things I like to to watch for mm-hmm. is like, how does this guy pop? Is he playing in the same game as the rest of his peers? And obviously, like the three point volume from this season was unbelievably impressive and he's a good shooter hit it a good clip in that combine game and look it's a scrimmage i get it you can't make full-on evaluations but it's something that helped me because the one thing i think you sometimes can see from like those nba combine scrimmages where these guys are playing one i love the fact that he did play and he wasn't just shooting at a pro day Mm -hmm. there were times he just looked like it was too easy for him Like he was just playing in a different game than some of the rest of the guys. There was an effortlessness to the way he was able to get to his shots. And like, he didn't even shoot it. Like he had a big first half and he didn't even have like a a great second half, but like he just has like a pull-up ability and I get it. Like he's raw, he's skinny. He's I'm nervous about the finishing and all the, the nuance of that you need. If you're going to be like a, a pick and roll ball handler, but I just think he's a, a sick enough shot maker that there is a role for him in the NBA somewhere at, at worst he is going to be, you know, uh, a catch fire, you know, heat check guy off the bench. And if the frame fills out and he could go to a developmental program, you know, I, I think he could be a big time player. It's, it's not a lock. He's got a ton of work to do on that end to get there, but there's a path for him. <sighs> okay. I, Yeah. I think for me, it's just from what I watched of him, it just felt like a very sloppy player to me. Well, he's far. Felt. He's far away. He's yeah. raw. He's raw. Yeah. yeah. For sure. There's a definitely a world where he doesn't hit. 
You think he's a quickly type? That's not bad. Type, you know, kind type. of. Type. Yeah, yeah. There's, it could be. There's a little Anthony Simons to him. Yep. I can see like that. Simons, like, early in his career, like, looks like might not be an NBA player. Was terrible. You know? And now, like, really good NBA player. Could be. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe he has an all-star berth in him one day. You know? like. Right. So there's, as he matures physically, mentally, there's a path. I think yeah. he's he's worth gambling on. Again, it's like, is he going to be better than Ty Ty Washington? Maybe not. Maybe not. But I think he might have an elite skill that a guy like Ty Ty might not have with his crazy pull-ups from all these different distances. He's a very good athlete. He just has, you know, some nuance in the frame stuff to figure out. And he's young enough that like, all right, I'll take the bet. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. I, I won't fight you on that. Um, my next group of five from 25 down, I have at 25, I have Christian Brown from Kansas. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm there 24. I have uh, Gabrielle Perchita at 24 at 23. I have Ryan Rollins, um, which I know is probably low for you. 22. Just a little. Yeah. 22. I have Tari Eason. Mm-hmm. Ooh, interesting. Then, yeah. And then this might be a little, sh- a little shock for people, but I actually, and this is after, I finally caught up to you guys and did my deep dive and everything, but I have Jalen Williams from Santa Clara at 21, mm. uh, which people might think is high. People might think is low after the combine. I don't know, but I feel just right about it. So that's my next five. Interesting. Tari mm-hmm. Eason sticks out. <laughs> Cause I have, I have him at 15 and he's oh. somebody and I, and that's somebody I question if I have him too low. Oh yeah. Cause we haven't had a, the, the in-depth conversation so let's and he's a guy that we have to cover uh, mm-hmm. on in a full episode so let's let's go surface level on here because i there's probably a little bit of a disconnect about how we feel and i feel like i'm one of the higher guys on no ceilings on tari i always thought you were lower on him why did i think that i'm very quiet about it i'm oh, not like okay. pushing for him i'm not sneaky like sneaky sneaks yeah i'm pretty sneaky about it <laughs> Okay, so with with me and Eason, I, I I'm looking at the draft, and we have so many of these toolsy wings, right? Mm-hmm. And my thing with Eason is, I felt like he was just a half step below the 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 group of guys above him, and we're talking about like the Matherin, the the Usman Jang, Ochag Baji, uh, Sohan, all those guys. But here's the thing, Corey. I'm not even like committed to having Eason at the spot because just as I said, Jeremy Sohan, I'm like, what is the huge difference between Eason and Sohan is where my brain is right now. Yeah. That those are the two guys that you compare and contrast. Yeah. So yeah, I have Tari at 22. Now he could go higher, but at the same time, I think there are like real questions with him too. You know, with, with mm-hmm. Eason, like, um, you know, actually, Corey, the one thing I'll say about Eason, I don't think his jump shot's going to be a problem. Um, I, I know people have talked about like his form and stuff like that, but then I I think it's fine. I, I think he'll yeah. be, I actually think he's going to be a good shooter, not even decent. I actually think he's going to be a good shooter is how I feel. I, I just, whenever I watched LSU, I thought there would be long stretches of him kind of disappearing a little bit. Interesting. Um, I didn't love that. But then again, defensively, I thought he was always locked in. I don't know. 
I don't know. I I, I go back. He and was forth. he was wildly productive. He was thing, and he because he, was. he wasn't playing. He was playing off the bench, and he had, well, I think he played like twenty three minutes a game, yeah. something like that. And he yeah. was his numbers are crazy. His advanced stats yeah. are crazy. His stock numbers are crazy. Mm-hmm. There's something to production. There's huh. something to production. Now, like one of the big differences between Sohan and Eason is like age. Like Sohan is what, 18, I think. Yeah. Uh, and Tari Eason's closer to 22. Right. So like there's that big gap. So he's an older sophomore. Yeah. But age to me is tricky. Same. Especially the last couple of years, because I think COVID really is this weird variable that we fail to account for sometimes where like mm. there are seasons that just got interrupted by COVID yeah. and development and years of like, it, it just put a, a, a damper in things. Cause depending on where you live, like you might not have even been able to shoot around at a, uh, a park, you know, like mm-hmm. there were rims were being taken down parks in different places. Right. Yeah. Certain places you might've been able to play like five on five in organized games. <laughs> no masks. <laughs> Full stands. Uh. No social distance. But I I don't know. I, I, I One, love his Kawhi hands. He, his hands mm. are absurd. Like uh, ridiculous. Yeah. Um, I, I agree with you. I think he's going to be a, dec- a pretty good shooter. I think his form is a little unconventional, but like if you break it down, up top it's like yes it's the catapult to the side but right bent elbow 90 degrees good follow through so yeah little trey it's, murphy. It's, a, it's got the little bent yes little ben gordon little trey murphy right right 80 percent from the line i'm buying tari because he's just like oh. you could put him in a lot of lineups he could play a bunch of different positions uh Jalen Williams at 21 you think I'm too high or you you okay well, considering with I have him higher that, than than that ah, I love it good <laughs> good I feel so much better good all right we can keep going <laughs> I had I had Jalen Williams top 20 months ago him and Ryan I mean, Rollins I had I was all all in on months ago when when you and Rucker first brought up Jalen Williams, I was like, "This is the NFL draft, or what? What sport are we talking about?" So, <laughs> I'm very late to the party, but I'm falling in love very quickly. Is what I'd say. Yeah, he's he's awesome. The other guy, and we both like Prochita in this range. I think you know, uh, you know, shooting, athleticism, just an easy fit, youth. And then EJ Liddell, I actually, he's one of the main guys I want the Bulls to draft at 18. So, I, you know, I have him at 21, but I, I just, I love this guy. He should be ranked higher, honestly, because, mm-hmm. you know, I, I highly recommend anybody watch his film session with Mike Schmitz because you get a, a real look at how he reads the game, who he emulates as a player, his energy. Just, he's like, he's, the dude's legit. Like he is going to be an impactful winning player. His backgrounds, like, you know, when we see some of those like one, two steps and he, he, his vertical was like crazy at the combine. It's like his mom played volleyball. He comes from a volleyball family and you see it in the way that he goes over and like rejects shots a lot of times, which is really cool. That's like some background stuff that you might not know about unless you're like really digging deep on some of these guys. So that was cool. Next five. At 20, I have Ryan Rollins. 
At 19, I have Mark Williams. At 18, I hate this list already. I have Jeremy Sohan. At 17, I really hate this. I have Ochai Agbaji. I want all of these guys to be higher. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Another guy, maybe I'm maybe I'm trying to put in the universe that he drops to the Bulls too. And at 16, I have Patrick Baldwin Jr., which is incredibly unpopular right now in the draft community after he apparently had like the worst combine showing ever, which fine right now. Fine. I'm I'm still buying in at 6'10, 7 plus wingspan with legitimate ball handling, shooting guard skills and betting on the fact that he could fit it, you know, figure it out as a role player next to next to guys. Ah, your five is very similar to mine. Corey's Corey. uh, Why'd I say Corey's? That's so weird. (laughs) (laughs) Triple it. What's that? All right. Um, You know why Corey, I want to comment on your five, but I I won't because our fives are very, but it's very similar. That's why. So at 20, I have Mark Williams. Mm-hmm. Uh, 19, I have Dale and Terry. Okay. Um, 18, I have EJ Liddell. And then 17, I have Jeremy Sohan. 16, I have Patrick Baldwin Jr. Mm. So Very similar. Yeah, similar ranges, you know? Um, I'm with you on the PBJ thing, man. Like, I, I really waver with him. But then ultimately, I don't really waver with him because I, I, I know this is like everyone's personal choice. I want to throw out his freshman season is how I feel. I know others may not feel the same, mm-hmm. but I just feel like it was a really bad situation and it was weird. Um, I think go watch his FIBA stuff and you're going to be like, this guy's sick. Like, I, I really like PBJ a lot, so I don't want to sell my stock on him. Sohan, I think right in that range, but also he could go higher. And then for me, Liddell's like firmly in my top 20 because I think he's going to be phenomenal. I won't Agreed. say more about Dale and Terry because you guys know how I feel about him. You're and boy. then Mark Williams at 20. So, yeah. Dalen's a guy that could return lottery value. Yeah. I love him. I I agree. He's another guy. Like if, if the bull, like if the bulls draft it, like I (sighs) give it to me, dude, give it to me. I'm going to be stoked. Like six, seven primary, like, or doesn't have to be a primary initiator. It could be a secondary tertiary initiator, seven foot wingspan, Mm -hmm. better shot than giving credit for. Mm Mm-hmm. Sounds a sounds a little bit like Tyrese Halliburton. Mm-hmm. Infectious energy. Everyone mm-hmm. talks about how much this kid lights up a room. You saw it in person. What he did in person, I love it. Gave me chills. Gave me absolute chills. One of the guys I'm I'm really upset. Like Ochai. Yeah. He won. Well, an, I have him. Yeah. He won an NCAA title. Mm-hmm. And like I feel his stock is like dropping, and my board included. So like I'm a little hypocritical on the issue, but like. And again, it, this isn't like, like in this range, I would definitely take fit into account with some of these guys. And so like Ochai being here, like I could also make an argument for a certain team where I'd be like, I think he should go at 12. So like, I don't want to be like where my rankings are means I would take every single player ahead of him under any circumstance. That's not the case. And these rankings are definitely, you know, we're going to do, I'm going to do updates as I continue, you know, rewatch film right all the way through the draft process. But like Ochai is going to make a team better. Yep. Yep. It's simple. I don't, I feel like he is almost like the Mark Williams of wings in this draft where it's like, maybe not as sexy, simple, but does all the things you want in a wing 
versus a center where yeah. with a little bit with the potential to offer more down the line, but because he's a little older, we're not buying in potentially as a lottery guy. And that might bite us in, in the ass because these guys who contribute to winning is winning a skill. I think it is. Oh, is a guy who wins a lot. So it's like, Bingo. again, I'm being hypocritical because I'm going to have some of these guys maybe with not as strong a resume ahead of him, but they may, might offer some stuff that could be intriguing if they, if they actually hit. So, all right. At 15, I have Tari Eason. At 14, I have Jalen Williams. At 13, I have Usman Jang. At 12, I have Dyson Daniels. 11, I have Benedict Matherin. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Hmm. And as I read this, I continue to hate my board more and more (laughs) as I read it out loud. (laughs) Okay. I, you know, let me. I didn't yeah. shift anything around today. I didn't mm-hmm. shift anything around today to like. I, this is what I from our. This is from our big board update. My rankings that I handed in. Oh, I actually shifted. Stuff, so I actually Which is fine. I didn't tell you not to. I didn't okay. tell you not to. Gotcha. <laughs> I didn't give not, you like. Hey. Make sure you don't change anything. <laughs> I'm not trying to get detention from Mr. Talibar. You know. Right? Is what it is. Okay, I'll give you mine, and I think we'll find some similarities. Fifteen. I have Usman Jang. Mm-hmm. Um, Ochai Baji, 14. I had to keep him in my lottery Love for it. me. Benedict Matherin at 13. Uh, mm-hmm. People may not like that, but mm, yeah. Uh, 12, I have Jalen Duran. And 11, I have Dyson Daniels. Um, did I keep Dyson Daniels at 11 because I want him to go to the Knicks at 11? Mm, conspiracy Maybe. theories, you know, yes. you, guys can, you guys can debate. <laughs> <laughs> Putting it in the universe. You gotta. What's the secret? What do you? What is, you gotta manifest it? Manifest, baby. You gotta manifest. manifest it. Yeah, for me with with Jalen, man. There's a smooth shiftiness with that kid, that is just and the he's he might be the best pick and roll player in the in the class. You know, he might be the best pick and roll operator in the class as a six, six, seven, two and a half wingspan, multi-positional wing. Who could shoot it everywhere. And he's going to get labeled, not, not super athletic and this and that, but it, he's more athletic than you think, you know, he's got that sneaky athleticism. And part of the reason that he, plays the way he does is because he was like i think he said he was five eight or five ten in high school and then he just grew a ton so he had to work on like these under the rim below the rim finishes when he was younger but like even though he was short he had these i think size 15 feet and this that long wingspan so he was like coming really awkward you know you knew he was gonna get taller but it was awkward so he had to like work on his game while he was growing through that but i just love the kid the kid's game man like and shout out to Rucker for being super early on it. But as soon as I, I, he mentioned him and I went and watched him, I'm like, oh yeah, top, he's a first rounder. Like, what are we, you know, I mean, and then you look at like, he's, he's got some shit, some shift and shake to him. Like (sighs) Chet dropped him. He did. That was nasty. Like I, mm. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Corey, I have a question. Yep. Is he like Walmart clearance section Luca? <laughs> clearance section. <laughs> Uh, yeah, maybe a, maybe a little bit, maybe a little bit. There's, uh, I almost Walmart. Feel like I yeah, section. Walmart clearance section. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, I feel like he is everything that you want Kevin Porter Jr. to be. Oh. Where I feel like he's like, uh, if Kevin Porter Jr. could just rein it in. It's like doesn't have to dribble between his legs as many times as he does. Consistently look to make the right read because he can make all the reads. It's just like the balance of like shooting and playmaking. I feel like he's just got that natural ability to to read and understand the game. And his IQ is super, he's got a super high IQ. So I don't know if it'll be out or not by the time this episode is dropping, but like he just did like film sesh with Schmitz that, you know, that I edited and like, the way he talks the game is super impressive. He's got a sky high basketball IQ. And then he's got the physical tools and the skills, man. The kids, kids legit. Um, hey man, I'm, I'm trying to like temper what I say because I'm dropping an article on him soon, but I I'm with you, dude. And the reason why I brought up Luca was because like the whole like perceived athleticism that he right. lacks and how he, it I, just, yeah, he, for sure. He so easily compensates for it. And it's just like, um, maybe let's not talk about the athleticism anymore because he's so good at everything else that it's just not a non-factor. So we mistake playing with pace at your own at your own pace with lack of athleticism. Yep. There, yep. when you think the game fast, you can play the game slow. Someone write that down. <laughs> Someone get that tatted. <laughs> <laughs> if somebody gets that tatted, they get. Uh, they'll get a free, uh, no ceilings like package of merch that we're gonna drop. So you'll Basket. you'll get more than more than one shirt, some snapbacks, shorts, some socks. You'll get a whole package if you get if you get it tatted. Nathan's glasses, everything. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out Nathan. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, my my number 10, Malachi Branham. Number nine, Jalen Duran. Number eight, Johnny Davis. Number seven, Keegan Murray. Oh, that one hurts. Number six, AJ Griffin. Oh, all right. Oh. Okay, so mm, the Keegan one, yeah, I'm, but I'm right there with you. I'm I'm actually worse than you are. So, mm. oh, here we go. And I'm I'm ready for us to talk about this. Uh, you and I again with the first one, we're lockstep. I got Malachi Brandon at ten. Uh, for me, I'm the last one on human on, on Earth. I think that still has him top ten. I got Jaden Hardy at nine. Yep. Um, you and Simon, shout out. Oh Simon. yeah, maybe yeah, Simon. Yeah, shout out to Simon. Simon, we disagree a lot, but I also think he loves me. Um, <laughs> Keegan Murray at eight. 
for me. Shouts to Rucker. Screw you. Uh, AJ Griffin at seven. Shaden Sharp at six. Mm. That's where I'm at right now. Who are we talking about? I guess we could talk about why Keegan is definitely too low. Yeah. Yeah. For both of us. <sighs> What's wrong with this? It makes the Keegan Murray is fucking awesome. I saw him live. He's so good. Most locked in guy. I, I I probably saw a third of the top 60 guys this year live. He was the most locked in dude pregame that I that I witnessed. Everything with a purpose. Smart like plays his ass off on both ends, versatile, fits the modern NBA, spaces the floor. <laughs> like what you know, reading Mirren Fader's piece on him yeah. for the ringer. The the little quip about how he grew up a golfer. Yeah. I love that. Mm-hmm. Because golf is the hardest game sport yeah. that I've ever played. It is a complete mind fuck. Mm-hmm. And the amount of mental toughness that you have to have to be good at that game. Yeah. And he's been playing since he's a kid. I thought it was so interesting that he put like he used that as a way to explain why he never gets too high or too low out on the court. Yeah. And how important that feels and how representative of his game it is. And it's such a positive for me because while he might not be boisterous and like beating his chest after everything, it's just like that business like approach is so important. He's going to have such a high impact on winning. He's so good. I don't care that he's a little older. I don't. Corey, some guys, some guys will play golf and settle their minds and come off as professional. Some guys will wear a Pablo Escobar t-shirt and (laughs) do a team interview. So too soon, too (laughs) soon. Um, We're both still in on, on AJ. AJ is a guy that's hmm. that has fallen down a lot of people's rankings, and uh, I I feel like everyone's overthinking it with AJ. Maybe yeah. I'm underthinking it, but I don't. Nah, think dude, so. I don't. Like, I don't think I am. He was like what 14 years old at Duke, so <laughs> he's come on one, one of the youngest players in the class. Yeah, I wouldn't exactly call him him raw, especially offensively. He's got this, I think, versatile package that he didn't get to show at Duke. He has more off the game bounce game. If you watched him before college that he didn't get to show at Duke. If anything, I even wrote early on in the year when he was like on fire for like shooting mm-hmm. over 50% from three. I'm like coming into the year, like being a great shooter was not the thing that you were going to s- say first about AJ Griffin. Yeah. That was not the first thing to come to your mind. Like he, he was like this athletic slasher and he definitely shot it well at the prior levels. But like you looked at the frame, the athleticism, and you're like, this is a guy who's going to be like a big time slasher with his handle. And, you know, I still believe he has that. I think the athleticism thing has been way overstated, way overstated. He showed to me plenty of instances where he was making athletic basketball plays, quick twitch, long frame, great build. Yeah, he's sloppy defensively sometimes. He's 18. I feel like Duke as a team 
was overplaying their man off ball way too often. It showed time and again in the Miami game where they all got back cut to death earlier in the year. It's not something that was unique to him. Uh, I thought that he showed plenty of flashes defensively that you could build on as a player, especially an 18-year-old player that missed a lot of time dealing with injuries and then a COVID Mm -hmm. season. Mm -hmm. And came in and had a really productive freshman season as an off uh, a, a what the fifth option on Duke mm-hmm. and fit in didn't complain and showed that he can play a role all positives to me and that's with the the potential that he has to do all the other stuff I think people mm-hmm. are starting to overthink it because other guys are starting to come into the fold as we continue to to go deeper in this cycle but I think it's an overthink I'm still super high on AJ Griffin. Yeah. I mean, also considering his physique and what do teams need from him? They need him to blow out a candle off of a cupcake at the rim for it, for them to be happy. Uh, Is that, I don't get it. And and I've heard that the injury concerns are overblown. That's the Intel I've gotten. Like the, it's, it's not like a Michael Porter jr. His back is forever broken thing, which is right. Proven to be a real issue in the NBA. Yeah. He's not Dewan Blair who didn't have an ACL or MCL, you know, so no, I, I think he'll be OK. And also, Corey, I think. But damn, as we're talking about this, I do wonder, like, we might really regret having Keegan below him. But at the no same doubt. time, we also might be geniuses. It's so tough. It's so it is. Tough. It is. Yeah. So tough. I'm afraid <laughs> to to go over my top five. Because uh, I think it's going to annoy a lot of people. Yeah. And it's I I'm questioning my I, the only one I'm not questioning is my number one. Same. I'm I'm exactly the same. But let's do it. Let's do it. Top five. And I oh, hate boy. it because his mentality might be my favorite in the in in the top five. I have Jabari Smith at five. Yeah, the potential number one pick in the draft. I have it five right now. At four, I have Jaden Ivey, who we just covered in an episode. And as I talked it out during the episode, I wondered if I have him too low. And I might. At three, I have Shaden Sharp. And my thing with Shaden Sharp is I definitely need to dive deeper into his intel and figure out like what he was like a little bit more behind the scenes, talking to people that I trust. Because he's a guy that I could absolutely, if I get like the wrong kind of intel, I could definitely foresee myself moving him down but i believe in the raw talent and his shot making his athleticism his frame and i don't care that you know all he did was have a pro day and we didn't see him in scrimmages because i never thought that we were going to but like from some of the stuff he was doing in the eybl and and that stuff i was significantly impressed and i get that he's raw he's a while away he is going to take a long time i think to show that he belongs in that group if he does show it you know jalen green played a year pro before he went to the nba took him till after the all-star break to really hit his stride anthony edwards high level d1 took till after the all-star break for him to hit his stride shaden sharp's going to come into the nba having not played organized basketball in over a year and have to deal with those same issues and his playmaking was way less enticing than Jalen or Anthony Edwards from the, you know, 
limited film that we have on him. But I really believe in him as a shot maker. That shot is smooth. Yeah. His athleticism is smooth. You could play him on or off the ball. It's easy to fit him into a multitude of lineups. You can he could play anywhere in that top grouping. I he could be special. I gotta dig deeper, but he's at three for now. I have Paolo at two and Chet at one. Paolo makes me nervous because I've there are times where I've wanted to drop him down to four because I saw him live twice. His highs are dumb high and his lows are just like the effort, the too cool for school, the settling, the stuff you worried about from him in high school. What's his mentality like? Is there a little Ben Simmons in him where maybe he's more concerned about, you know, the limelight and just like doing him than anything else. But then there are times where you look at the end of the year, he had a great tournament run. He really, you, you look at him at 6'10", 250, and how he can impact a game with the ball in his hands. I think he's a jumbo wing rather yeah. than like a traditional four. And right. I can picture him in a playoff series tomorrow. The shot, while there are definitely some technical things wrong with it, and that's why there are some inconsistencies with it, sometimes it looks really smooth. And he could hit yeah. it. He could hit step backs. He can hit it off the catch, run, pick, and pop. He can shoot it off the bounce. His footwork is crazy. It's art. Uh, it, it's just yes. like, mm-hmm. maybe does he have that that mentality that Jabari Smith has? Mm-hmm. That's going to make that could make Jabari great. Yeah. That could make him the best player in the class, which is why I don't feel comfortable with his ranking where I have him. Even though I have concerns about him as a primary guy as a you know people saying that he's got the you know a bunch of wing skills yeah those concerns i have with him but i also know that when i watched his high school and aau film i didn't think that he was going to be the best shooter in the class and he came into college and he might be the best shooter in the class bingo he has the work ethic he has the drive he has the nba family tree pedigree yeah he's got the enthusiasm he makes me really nervous to have him where I'm ranked. He could switch out on the perimeter and guard anybody out there. And I think that if he wasn't playing next to a historically great college shot blocker, he probably would have had better rim protection numbers, but he wasn't a great finisher and he's not a great self creator. I I don't think in the half court. So there, there are concerns that I have. Paulo, the concerns are almost opposite. I don't have basketball concerns. I have maybe some mentality, the effort. Like, is he going to always lock in? And then Chet at one has been a guy I've been on all year at one. I think he's the best player in the class. I tweeted it out. A lot of people really agreed. A lot of people were really angry. I said, like, I, I feel like a lot of the Chet Holmgren dialogue is starting to feel like the Luca dialogue where people are trying to find reasons that are more conjecture than concrete as a reason to why he's not going to succeed. When all the evidence that we've seen at every level is that it hasn't hampered him really at all. And he's kind of been a big winner everywhere he's gone. And he has these really unique special gifts and that we haven't seen 
And maybe that's why we can't picture him succeeding because it's such, it's this really unique situation, but it's probably not with basketball, the reasons that people don't want to fully buy in on him. <sighs> so it reminds me, a little, not, a, not that I think he's going to be Luka Doncic and have that kind of impact as like this potentially like generational all time. If everything broke right, you could see him as like a top 10 all time guy. He's already right. like, started his career as like an absolutely otherworldly playoff performer. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying just the the dialogue about him reminds me of what it was like with Luca. For sure. For sure. I like everything that you said, man. I just want to for the record. I know I know I'm your co-host and maybe I'm supposed to say stuff like that, but no, I No, you're supposed really, to yeah. You're supposed to be honest. The people I know. I know. <laughs> I I I really enjoyed everything that you just said because well, I appreciate that, brother. No, because you know what it is, Corey? For me, it's I, I can I resonate so much with what you're saying because I I think what we're what we're really getting to, Corey, is that these guys are all kind of interchangeable. And there was an article that I always wanted to write, but I don't think I'm going to get to write it. So I'll talk about it here. But, and this is going to sound silly. I get it. It sounds stupid. But when we were growing up, Pokemon was important to us. So I want to Big share time. this. But when you start off Pokemon, you start that game, you pick a Pokemon to be your first guy. Yes. And, and you're given a Charmander, a Bulbasaur, or a Squirtle. And you get to pick out of these guys. And if you bought Pokemon Yellow, you get to pick a, you pick a Pikachu. And I know <laughs> I'm Asian and I'm talking about Pokemon. So it's kind of fantastic right That's now. A, but look, it was, it swept the culture. Exactly. Exactly. Didn't, didn't matter where you were from or what you looked like. You played Pokemon, right? So everyone can resonate with this. But the thing is, when you're choosing your Pokemon to start, it's every Pokemon has a strength and a weakness. And it's and it's clear. There yeah. is a strength and a weakness. And you're gonna have to live with that decision. If you if you choose Charmander, once you get to the water gym and you've got to fight Misty or whoever it was, your Charmander is not doing anything. He's screwed. <laughs> it's absolutely screwed. You get what I'm saying? So yes. for, it's so hard to pick with these guys because they're all such high level prospect prospects and high level players, but they do have little things about them that bother you and kind of give you whatever. But the funniest thing is where I agree with you the most, Corey, is that the reason why I can't even consider moving Chet out of number one is that he doesn't have any of the weaknesses that the other guys have, in my opinion. Mm. The, the, don't tell me he's skinny. I stood next to him. He's he he's thin. Yeah. But it didn't hurt his game at all. I literally, st- I could have, I could have, I could have kissed him. I was that close. <laughs> I, I, I could have, I was breathing. We were breathing the same air. I was that close to Chet. And I can tell you guys that his skinniness is not going to be a problem. Yeah, once in a while, he's going to get bodied. A big old dude is going to move him. Giannis is going to move him, right? Yeah. But okay, Giannis also moves everybody. So Everyone. what's your argument, buddy? Yeah. It makes no sense. You know that so, he's not Giannis. If that's your argument, it's tough. It's a tough argument. Cool. Go become a scientist and make another Giannis. Then, <laughs> then we can talk, right? But Chet is he, as you mentioned, is going to offer so much at that size and that length and that competitive spirit, plus the winning DNA that he has, where he's won at every goddamn level. The guy is going to be an excellent. NBA player. So Chet for me is a tier on his own. So let me give you my top five. Okay. 
at five, I have Jaden Ivey from Purdue. Um, we just did, did a pod on him. He's easily my top five. He might go higher. I don't know. This is one that people may not agree with, but I have Johnny Davis at four. For me, Johnny Davis, the the the, the what he's going to offer on both ends is so high to me. Yeah. I think he's going to be so free. Like he'll be top. I can go all day about Davis, but the shot making with him, I love. I think he's going to play in a much better context and he's going to show that we talked about balance before with shooting. I absolutely love Johnny Davis and his balance as a shooter at three of Paolo. Mm-hmm. And that one, Corey, I actually don't mind keeping him there and I don't think I'm going to move him. I, I think, think I have that, Paolo. I think that's yeah. a, a fine mindset to have. I don't think you're necessarily yeah. wrong. I don't, I Paolo's a guy I could see dropping a little bit. Yeah. He's the guy yeah. that if someone's going to drop, I, I could see it being Paulo. Yeah. And I know Alex is going to drop a, a piece on him this week. And I know Alex already is dropped. really high on him. Oh, it's sorry. Already yeah, dropped. Already dropped. Yeah. yeah. And obviously Alex is really high on him, but there, I've got questions with Paulo, man. There, and, but um, there are arguments for both ways and correct. You know, there are arguments both ways for it, but yeah. your questions are legitimate. Which is why he's at three, too. Like, I, I want to throw that out there. Three is very high uh, yes. in this draft. So I have Paolo at three. I can't drop – I don't know. I, I feel good about having Jabari at two because with Jabari, as you mentioned, with the pedigree, the the work ethic, the length, the shooting. You and I are big shooting guys. We love shooters, yeah. which is why, Corey, even when you were talking about Shaden Sharp, I'm – I'm not opposed to moving him up on my board too. Yeah. I have met six right now, but it looks so goddamn pretty, uh, which is why I'm still high on Jaden Hardy too. Cause I still believe Jaden Hardy's unbelievable shooter. I have Jabari at two. I think defensively he's only going to get better. I think shooting wise, he's only going to get better if it, if it's even possible. I think um, the stuff with his handle, I'm there. I get it. I'm not going to argue it. I get it. But uh, the guy continues to show that he gets better at things and better at basketball. So I don't want to doubt him. So I feel good about Jabari. And then I just gave you my spiel on Chet. So that's my top five. And I feel okay about it, actually. I Look, the, the like you said, it's so interchangeable. You have to live with your decisions. There's the Pokemon. Choose your color. I was a blue guy. And I don't, I can't be like, you're wrong and I'm right because I almost feel like I'm wrong. <laughs> and these are my rankings. Yeah. yeah. You know, this has been the hardest draft cycle, I think, for me. <laughs> I, I usually feel pretty confident in, in at least like my top guys, maybe even my lottery. And like, like you have Johnny Davis at four. Yeah. I fucking love Johnny Davis. Yeah. I have him at eight. And I'm like, is that too low? But. Mm-hmm it can't be too low for everybody. Like I can't, there's only so many spots to to have, but like, and I have questions with Johnny. We, we did an episode on him with uh, shout out Pee Wee, the plug from through the wire. So like, it wouldn't shock me if he really does turn out to be that like Devin Booker esque shooting guard. And that is a guy that is worth a top five pick. And he's a two way guy could be the best two way guard in the draft. That's what yeah. you could end up being. He has the mentality. He has like, he measured really well. He measured almost six, six in shoes yep. with what, like a six, nine, six, 10 wingspan, something like that. Yep. So like he could be a big, you know, wing that's playing multiple positions and he's got playmaking chops that I think are underrated and that are 
maybe going to be better utilized in the pros with better shooters and better spacing. Maybe not as a rookie, but down the line when he develops. I'm not going to tell you you shouldn't have him at four. Yeah. Thank you. If I was doing this exercise with Metcalf, he'd probably have him at one, and then, you know, we'd have to have a conversation. But, <laughs> I mean, it, that's it's it's tricky, but that's what's so yeah. fun about it, that you could have these conversations and agree on everybody's reasonings for having guys where they have them, but not have those same guys in those same spots. You know, like, it's this personal thing and people value different things on their boards. Some people value certainty, some value potential. And it's like, at what points of the draft are you willing to bet on potential versus certainty? At what point is, is your best talent available option? Not realistic, depending on the situation that they go to, because they might not be able to maximize that better quote unquote talent. That's what makes a draft fun. There's so much that goes into it. It's so deep. It's, it's this really unique thing. And I think that's why people get so passionate about it because it's, it's so different than, you know, yeah. covering like an NBA team. Yeah. I, it's been rough, dude. It's been rough. And you and I, we covered last year's class and last year's class. Did it make me feel this way? And <laughs> no, it's, it's rough. It's rough, Corey. But I do want to say in closing on like my end, like I just, I, I get it. Like people are very opinionated on Twitter. I know that you guys have your own opinions on these players and your own mount and your own big boards and everything. But like you said, Corey, even when we publish our stuff and we put our big boards out there, we're not putting that stuff out there as if we're the end all be all and that we're even a hundred percent sure about the stuff that we're putting out there in terms of these big boards, because our minds are changing all the time, you know? Yeah. And I think you've talked a lot about draft Twitter and that's in the space that we're in. And I think uh, a level of uh, understanding and a level of respect, I think could go a long way because um, I, I think it's good for us to have opinions, but I also think it's good for us to acknowledge that our opinions change and they move and they, and they bend and they break and yes. all these things. So having, having a measure of grace, uh, for ourselves and for others, I think just creates and fosters a a healthier space for everybody. So just wanted to throw that out there, not for not so that people are like, oh, you know, Albert just, you know, he's sensitive. He doesn't want people. No, it's not that at all, man. I think it's I think we should be able to have healthy conversations about these players, not put people down because they have a certain player higher than others or lower than others. And I think uh, that that is a very important thing that I wanted to throw out there. Very well said. This game will humble you. Yeah. To sit in and with certainty tweet things out or say on a podcast with such certainty something that it makes you feel like you're belittling somebody else's evaluation is foolish. And it's going to bite you in the ass when there are receipts and shit. I probably have some of those that people could dig up too. I bet if you look right. hard enough, because that when you get in, you're full of, to the game, you're so full of vigor and energy and you're like, you're so passionate and what you believe sometimes. But when you're, if you're rude about it, people are going to dig those receipts up when you're wrong. And again, as we said, like maybe you're wrong because they went to a different team context. Yeah. 
Yeah. And and you would have been right if they went somewhere else. But they didn't, and you were wrong. So just be humble. I think that's important in this space, to be humble and understand that you might be so certain about a prospect, and you might be wrong. That's going to happen every single year. Yeah. Every year. So you just try to do the best job that you could do with your evaluation. And your scouting. And you have your reasons, and you lay them out. But be humble. And with that said, I know I fooled around and I made jokes at Kai Soto Army, but if the Knicks grab Kai Soto as an undrafted free agent, <laughs> I'm gonna my life is gonna be very interesting. So wanted to throw that out there. Love if that you happens, you gotta get a jersey. Those are the rules. Oh my god. I don't write them. Albert, tell everyone where they can find you on the internet. You can find me at Alberto Gim on the internet, uh, on Twitter. Please follow me. I want more friends on Twitter so you guys can laugh at my idiotic takes. Uh, but, you know, with everything that we just said, just want to say once again, Corey, um, you being my co-host and pretty much my mentor in this space, always appreciate you listening to me. And, you know, all, you, you've you always respected me, even though I have no credibility other than just being a draft Twitter, i sorry, a draft fan. Um, and you've always been so gracious to me and you hear out all my weird takes and all my weird comps and everything. And I think the reason why I feel so passionate about all that is because you've been such a great co-host and a mentor to me. And I kind of wish everybody in the space was like you and like uh, everyone I know ceilings too. like everyone's been so gracious to me as well, because I always say like I'm the newest guy when it comes to this draft stuff, I think, in my opinion. So um, all the guys I know ceilings has been so gracious to me and I've learned so much from their writing, you know, guys like Metcalf and Nick and Evan, all these guys, Rutgers, everybody, everybody. Man, Nick's Nick's piece that he released. Oh this week. God. Tears, dude. Yeah. Really good. So inspired. Really great. Maybe yeah. want to get my computer out and write right away. <laughs> well, I don't know. <laughs> I was like, damn, I got to write after you fool. Damn. But look, man, I, I appreciate, you know, yeah. all of that. And you say like, Oh, I'm, you know, the outsider new guy, but like, the, the space is growing yeah yeah so much which is a great thing especially for us at no ceilings where we're trying to turn this into this big multimedia platform that no one's ever done before covering the draft in so many unique ways but there's room for everyone you know there's room for the people that are just going to be like casual fans and check in on the, the draft yes. act podcasts once every few weeks or every month and then there's room for the passionate people who listen every week and watch everything on No Ceilings TV and NBA Draft Dude YouTube channel and read every day and comment and follow us on social. There's room for everybody. There's room for the people that played at a high level and are now like experienced scouts. There are people who maybe didn't have the athletic gifts or, you know, that some of these people had. And just got really passionate about film breakdown and analytics. There's room for everybody in the space. It should be this inclusive environment where everyone can cover it the way they want to cover it or consume it the way they want to consume it. And that's the cool thing about the draft community and the draft world. It's like it's niche, it's, but it's bigger. It's getting bigger and bigger every year. It's growing. And that means there's going to be more and more opinions. And I mean, you're not the new guy anymore. There's, you know, like this is not your first yeah. rodeo. You've been, we've been breaking down prospects every single week. You watch more right. tape than probably the majority of the people that are in, into the draft. Like you are, 
you're there. You put the work in. And that's all you could ever ask if for somebody who's doing evaluations, definitely in a co-host. Um, and then you just get on the mic. I mean, shit. Yeah, <laughs> gotta be, a lot of people could break down film, but you yeah. know, if you're going to put me to sleep, then, you know, I don't care <laughs> how well you, I don't care how well you break down film. There's a lot of smart professors out there, but if they don't got it, some charisma, I'm going to be falling asleep in class. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, you know, all right, that's going to be it for the show. You can follow me at Corey Tulliba. Find our work, noceilingsmba.com. Subscribe to the No Ceilings TV YouTube channel, NBA Draft Dude YouTube channel. Share, rate, subscribe to the podcast. Share, rate, subscribe to the No Ceilings podcast. Share, rate, subscribe to the Draft Deeper podcast. The whole crew. It's lit. The draft cycle is going to be crazy in the next month as we get closer and closer to to D-Day. But Mm -hmm. lots of fun, fun stuff in all of the channels. So make sure you lock in there. We appreciate y'all. We went over the big board. We did. We got in our feelings. We did. We'll be back next week. We're going to have a creative episode, and we'll have a, a traditional episode. So until that time, we out. Peace. Peace.